Leaving a Legacy is brought to you by hipstersofthecoast.com and can be found on the Top Deck app every Friday. You can support the show directly at patreon.com slash leaving a legacy. Magic is power. Welcome to Leaving a Legacy. <laughs> it's eternal emergency. Patrick, I'm your legacy newbie. With you this week, as always, Mr. Jerry. Me, what's up, Jerry? Hello, Patricio. How are the um? Did, did you like that tone switch from the pre-show into into the show? It was. It was great. You were kind I of put on my broadcasting down. voice for you all. <laughs> Pat was a sleepy boy in the pre-show. I, I told him I was like, "Listen, man, like if we don't get this done in like 20 minutes, I'm gonna fall. Asleep. I'm just gonna fall asleep in my chair <laughs> and just 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 mute my audio." Yeah, yeah, man, it's been a... And then his head went below the camera, and I heard this, like, snuffing sound, and then he was, like, a whole different person. I don't know felt, what felt, happened. feel good now. I feel good. 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 You know? Excellent. All right. Uh, so, let's see. Um, before we get to our awesome guest this week, I want to just shout out our newest patron, uh, Nick Maggior. Thanks for joining the Patreon. I think he already is on the Discord, uh, but just want to give a shout out, and thank you very much for the support. We appreciate it. If you want to support the show, you can find us at patreon.com slash legacy. Jerry, how's your week been, man? Oh, pretty good. Actually, that just reminded me. Do we still have playmats to send out, Pat, or are we kind of? I do, up? yes. Yep, I definitely do. We're braving, braving the dangers of quarantine life, the uh, the, the wasteland to the post office. To it, get, uh... it's, it's less about the dangers of going to the post office. It's just for the last, like, uh, probably eight weeks, I've been on, I've been working like 50 hours a week, 50, 60 hours a week. So it's been just kind of, uh, I haven't had a ton of free time, but we're going we're gonna to get them out. We're gonna get them out. I if during core, I've been busier with work during quarantine than I have like in the last like five years of my life. So I don't I don't really know how that's worked out, but um, but yeah. So uh, but we'll we'll get those out. We got thank you cards to send out too. So we got all kinds of stuff we gotta get in the mail. Support the U.S. Post Office. Hell yeah, get that mailed out real fast <laughs> to you guys. So uh, Jerry, why don't you introduce our guest this week? Yeah. Coming on, uh, due to popular demand, the, the king of memes, <laughs> the meme master, <laughs> inventor of such favorites as Jerry's hand. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Jasper Birch. How are you doing, man? I'm doing um, absolutely excellent. Thank you guys for uh, for having me. That was a very nice introduction. <laughs> I mean, you earned it. You, you I deserve it. I didn't expect you it to go that way. <laughs> treat yourself. Treat yourself. <laughs> I, I do have to say, this is um, my first podcast, and watching Pat do the introduction because I've you know listened to it a lot, and I always assume that you like kind of cut in at least like the welcome to leaving like see like part of it because it's so consistent from episode to episode, <laughs> but he doesn't. He's just like such a pro. That he just is, you could like match up all the episodes and you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. It's amazing. There, there was one week where I did a different, a different like my pe- vocal pattern was a little different, and Jerry was like flabbergasted. He, we couldn't continue the episode. He's like, we need to re-record that. <laughs> I just did like I just like my 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 in, my in, like my inflection was a little different. I don't know why. I just was switching it up, and Jerry's like, ah, I can't do that. I don't like. Yeah, it. I don't like that. I don't like that. Don't like one bit. That makes me really sad because. Like you should explore your creativity, Pat, and like this should yeah, be. Well, it's funny when we go to events, uh, people come up to us and they're surprised that Pat is actually a person and not a soundboard. 
Yeah, they just expect uh, Welcome to Leaving Legacy and uh, uh, How to Repeal the Reserve List using ping pong balls. That's all they want to. They all, that's all they expect. From <laughs> Jerry's like Professor Quirrell and Harry Potter, where like pats on the back of his head, just like. <laughs> Yeah, the whole repeal the reserve list with the ping pong ball scheme was actually just the ravings of a hobo I found outside of a uh, convenience store one day. He was very knowledgeable about the reserve list. I was shocked. I think I think the next costume contest will have to be DJ shaving his head and like pretending to be Jerry, but then have me on the back of his head. That's so good. I love that. That's funny. Oh man. Oh, man. So so how how have you been holding up with uh, with quarantine and all that, Jasper? Um, I mean it's it's an experience. Um, so. Ooh. We, uh, we're in New York, so we're in an apartment, you know, everything's sort of shut down. Um, what's weird is like you, I've been working a lot. Um, so I sort of expected to have like a lot more free time, more time with the girlfriend, more time for personal projects. And it's the exact opposite, right? Like Mm. I just find so much of my day filled. Um, and then right now we also have a foster dog. Um, so that, you know, like walking him and stuff like it takes up more time but i mean it, it, it's course, it, it's yeah. it's as good as you can expect i think that everyone's you know finding some really good ways of coping um and sort of uh, i have sort of like some recurring zoom chats to like maintain like social interaction and and seeing mm-hmm. people which is which is pretty nice yeah we did uh we did I, tr- I tried to do like a family zoom chat with my siblings once a week but uh, I upset my sister-in-law last this past week. She was yelling at me on Zoom chat, so <laughs> we might retire Zoom chats for a little. What bit. did you do? <laughs> uh, well, I would let's just say that I have a certain uh, opinion about the economy <laughs> and the effect that the lockdowns have on the economy, and she is of a differing opinion. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, I, I think I, you know, I don't think I was uh, getting preach or anything, but I just think I think. I think people are stressed out, and um, they, and we have a hard time talking with each other sometimes when, uh, you know, people people talk past each other, or whatever. So it was just, it, I just think they're probably gonna retire the Zoom chat for a week or two. <laughs> people are definitely on edge. Let me just say that my students are being little bitches right now. You've been saying that. You say that all the time. Though, no, but like fair. especially, especially now. <laughs> just so you're so- saying, so you're saying the students are becoming the master. Yes, exactly, exactly. That's how you know they're ready to graduate. <laughs> yeah, it's time to go. It's done. When they go full Karen, it's like, all right, here's your diploma. I, I can't teach you anything more. <laughs> <laughs> that's. I mean, that's really the way to get up in this society, right? Is just to feel entitled enough to own someone else. That's how it goes. Yep, exactly. Oh, this went dark. <laughs> I mean, that's just how it goes, man. That's just. That's just. Um, yeah, it's it's been wild though. Yeah, I agree. I, I've been busier ne- uh, during the lockdown than I have been previously. Like they've opened up weekend. Like I've been working six days a week, and now I think starting this week it'll be seven days a week. And I mean, it's great. Like it's bringing in money. But I thought for sure, like you know, back in March, I was like, I was waiting for them to give us like a you know a furlough for a month or two. And uh, they just kept turning it up. So, please, sir, I want some time off. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, it's like all this, over, all the overtime at work is double time, so it's hard to pass that up. You know, I think my favorite um, quarantine hobby is like watching things like No Reservations, like Anthony Bourdain show, and just like pretending like if we weren't in quarantine, I would be going out and doing like all this awesome stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's like especially cruel though, because like you see like all these like busy restaurants and marketplaces and mm. fascinating places. And you're like, oh man, look how amazing that is. And then you think of like, oh, right now it's actually just like deserted. Like if you were yeah. to look at that now, it would yeah. not look like that. 
That's wild. Yeah, and it, the the return to normalcy is going to be strange too. It'll it'll be interesting to see how things go. I mean, I think what is it? Georgia just opened up, opened back up. I think um, Missouri just opened back up too. So I'm hoping to see uh, things getting back to normal in places, and and you know that they've we've done enough now to kind of stem the tide of infections and. I don't know. We'll, well see. We'll see what happens. Remember, Pat, with the Spanish influenza, the second wave was the more deadly wave. That's that's true. I mean, I, that's true. so I was saving this for the end of the episode, but I figure it's it's relevant to bring up now. But we can um, just end the episode after you say it. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Awesome. So that that'll be a tight episode. I mean, that definitely falls in the category of a tight episode. <laughs> um, but the leaving a legacy open on June first is most likely going to be canceled. It looks like it doesn't look like June. Massachusetts is going to be opening up in time. Yeah, I, yeah, we we probably should just double check, double. Yeah, I, I mean, don't know if you circled back with Michelle, but you're probably right. That that's the case, uh, so. yeah. This is I'm just going based off my gut assumptions, based on everything. So my my work actually just pushed back. And that's one reason why my students were especially ang- angsty today was uh, the CFP board just pushed back the national CFP exam to uh, mm-hmm. to September from July. And it looks like other, you know, many other organizations are following suit. So I assume that the leaving legacy open is also going to be being pushed back mm-hmm. just kind of based on everything going on. Um, I mean, obviously, we'll confirm that and, and make sure. But I, if unless things like dramatically improve and I mean, like miraculously improve. By then, I don't think it's going to end up being safe to have paper tournaments. Uh, yeah, it's it's going to be kind of weird too. Like, do we think that like the handshake's going to go away? Because that's I think so. That's part of my favorite part of magic is like just like is crushing someone and then giving them a real firm handshake <laughs> and just asserting all, not only mental mental but physical dominance over my opponent. Oh boy, yep. I mean, you cool. are you do meet those people already who like were ahead of the trend and not shaking hands. That's true. Either out of, either out of saltiness or just general, uh, yeah, not wanting to touch other people. I mean, I'm actually like because I got really sick at the pro tour, and I know it was one of my opponents like basically was playing with the flu. And Wait, then sick two- sick beats, right? Yeah, well, sick, sick. After the sick beats, I got really sick, like physically. <laughs> um, the the, what, the the thing you don't know about the famous uh, Jerry Hand meme is that his shorts are just covered in diarrhea below <laughs> the frame. You just don't, you can't oh, see in the no, picture. <laughs> that that smug look on his face. Pat, is... I, that picture is at a church. That picture is taken at a church. <laughs> I, listen, diarrhea waits for no one. I think we all know that as grown adults. Oh man, doesn't care what it doesn't care where you are yeah and on point um, jerry's drinking a mudslide tonight which is- <laughs> it was a hard day okay mudslide night monday mudslides oh shit monday mudslides oh <laughs> but anyways what i was saying is uh so yeah at the pro tour i i was sick like i was bedridden for about you know 36 hours uh at the pro tour uh about two or three days after i played in it because i played against my opponent and he like just clearly had the flu and I still just like uh, such a Pavlovian response. He offered the handshake and I gave him the handshake, just looking at him like, oh, I shouldn't have touched this person. He is riddled with disease. Well, Jerry, <laughs> you are one of the few people who will have survived both the Spanish flu and COVID-19. True. <laughs> <laughs> I just want you guys to know I keep a notes app of uh, possible uh, show titles when I go through these episodes, and Diarrhea Waits for No One is at the top of the list right <laughs> I now. Don't, so, yeah. I don't think the, you can do the that. The issue with that is everyone's going to associate it with your, with your guest. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's true. That's true. I can't do that. I can't no, do I that. mean, I've had it, right? Like, we all have. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's what I'm saying. Anyway. anyway. Uh, so I will say there is a certain magic club on the West Coast called the Bubblegut Club. <laughs> and I'll let our listeners uh, <laughs> listeners uh, put the pieces together on what the Bubblegut Club Think, is about. Things that only happen to like the older legacy crowd, right? <laughs> like, it's like, it's uh, we can't sleep on like, a, you can't sleep on the floor at your friend's house because you wake up with a sore back and. You can't you can't go out drinking too hard the night before a tournament, dude. I have I have scooped in the finals of a side event because I had to uh, you know excuse myself. <laughs> <laughs> My mom's like that was that was game one. I'm like I know you got this. <laughs> if I stay here, we're both gonna lose for sure. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, so it'll be interesting to see the way things get you know slowly work their way back to normal. It's. It's uh, it's been a wild ride, man. It's been a wild ride. It has. So, what, what are your guys' assumptions like? How how early do you think it'll be before we even play in a paper magic tournament again? Can, can I say like, well, before we get into that, I actually got to play some more uh, on Zoom with a couple <laughs> buddies last week. <laughs> yeah, are you gonna tell the listeners what you told us in confidence, Pat? <laughs> Wait, what did I tell you in confidence? <laughs> Pat said, and I quote, "Man, I think I like playing on uh, oh. playing on camera more than in person because yes. <laughs> because it's all the fun of playing paper magic, but I can yep. mute the people I don't like." <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. Actually, no. What I said was, what I said was, I don't have to play against people I don't like, so I get to choose my opponents. So, like, I get to play with people I actually really like playing with, and that is like such a refreshing thing to do. I mean, um, Pat, you, yeah, it's you can do that in real life also. Like, I mean, if I go to if I go to like an F and M, I have to play against like whatever scrubs are in the XO bracket, right? Like, oh, it's just it's just how it goes. But like, I like to, I don't know, it's just nice to be like, like I got for instance, I got to play against Ian the other day. He's a good friend of mine, and uh, just like sitting down and chatting with him and playing Magic and playing like good games, it's it's just fun. And um, having like a history with the, the the people you're playing against, I don't know. It was just a really good experience, and maybe it's because I don't like have a bunch of tight like friends like who live near me who I test with um, regularly. Maybe this is like kind of taking the place of that, but um, yeah, I have had so much fun playing on camera, and like I don't have to travel ever anywhere. I can just like be in my pajamas like playing Magic. It's great. So I'm normally very spoiled. Uh, our play group in New York, there's like twenty or thirty of us, and my friend works at a preschool and they let us use the preschool on the weekends to play magic cards. That is awesome. So every Saturday we get like, we usually have like 16 or 20 people a, a weekend and we all just go and like jam magic cards and do tournaments. That's super. See, that's super cool. Yeah. I don't, I don't have like a, a setup like that, but that is uh that is awesome. That is really cool. I, I wonder if that's going to continue after, after everything gets back to normal. Cause I assume like, will we be allowed in preschools? Yeah, well, just like people probably want to disinfect their businesses, yeah. like when there's downtime, and so I, I just I don't know. It's gonna be, I don't know. It's gonna be interesting to see so what happens. My my gut about all this. So the uh, like all the, the research that you read is you know the end of May, beginning of June, we'll have like initial openings. Um, mm-hmm. My friend's dad is a doctor who has a grant to work on the vaccine, um, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm not a doctor, so I don't know all the technicalities about it. But he was telling me that one of the big issues with COVID specifically is the types of immune cells, um, the memory cells that, uh, you know, maintain immunity are a shorter term memory cell. So, you know, even if we get a vaccine, you know, relatively quickly, like late this year, um, 
the they're going to have to in order to maintain herd immunity continue to vaccinate people and the chance of having herd immunity just from initial exposure is relatively low because let's say you get it you know 4 months from now you might not be immune anymore whereas other types of illnesses you could be immune for the rest of your life that's really interesting well i think isn't that part of the reason why we have yearly flu vaccines because flus change and they try to get the most like the most like likely strains that are out there but because you've been say i don't i again i'm also not a doctor but if you've been vaccinated for say flu you know one two three four years later even though you've been vaccinated for it, you could still get that flu because you weren't vaccinated for it recently is that kind of I, that sort i of think logic? the flu is a combination of the two because the flu actually does mutate a lot COVID is relatively mm-hmm. slow mutating so like mm-hmm. that's not as big an issue um but i i i would assume i don't know i'd assume that the flu has has a similar type of you know immunity memory issue but mm-hmm. i don't actually know interesting yeah it's been kind of wild man like and the <laughs> i don't want to get too deep into the weeds here but like we've had i've had a lot of issues with the way that china's handled things and uh the fact that they've covered up so much of the information that's coming out of there and then at the same time we have like mike pompeo who's saying that it's likely was grown in a lab in wuhan but then at the same time acknowledges that science says that that's not the case so it's just like it's just wild like that you're getting like with this administration you're getting like the craziest mixed signals from a guy literally back to back saying this came out of wuhan as a as a genetic a human modified virus and then in the same breath like acknowledging that yes like science is saying that that's not the case it's just it's just wild and like saying like yes i don't dispute that so it's like well you can't have both you know i don't know it's just crazy I think they're trying. I think part of it is just playing politics, trying to get a hit against the, you know, the the People's Republic of China. But uh, yeah, it's just wild, man. Pat going deep. <laughs> this is the most. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to. But this stuff is on my mind, man. I listen to a lot of podcasts and I do some reading, and it's it's on. It's it's obviously like on the forefront of yeah. everyone's mind. It's just so you know. I mean, I think so. Is like traveling for tournaments a thing of the past? Like, do we think this is gonna mean? That you know you're gonna really think twice about hopping on a plane to go play in a uh, a pro tour. So I think can you have to like separate consumer behavior and like you know tournament to organizer policies, right? Mm-hmm. And I think both are probably a little bit negative in this case. So after um, 9/11, it took three years for hotel revenues to recover to where they were pre 9/11. Yeah. Oh, also, just for some background for our listeners, um, you're for your day job, Jasper. You're an analyst, right? Yeah. So I work in finance. Um, I had to get like compliance clearance to like get on the podcast. So like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't talk like directly analogous to work, right? Um, yeah. But I can like you know talk about things. I just that wanted I to. Learned. I just wanted to say that Jasper is, is speaking from a, a place of more than just a Karen's fifteen minute Google search. Yeah. No, I, I spend a lot of time reading up on on the stuff. Um, the uh, and after so and then after the financial crisis, it took five years. Now with that, there was also Airbnb and other sort of like macro trend uh, trends that were like impacting hotel revenue growth. But you tend to when you have a recession that impacts travel, it tends to be a much slower recovery for the travel industry than other industries coming back because of changes in consumer behavior. Now, what's interesting here is let's say that we got. Um, is not so let's say we uh, let's take immunity off the table let's take the vaccine off the table like all of that would be great it could change people's behavior a lot 
I think the best chance for, for things coming back quickly would be very high efficacy treatments, right? Like if you had drugs that like drastically improved the the survival rate, right? Dropped the mortality rate, um, then that could like greatly change people's outlook on the danger of getting sick. Um, and so you might have like a very different outcome when things start to like recover and reopen. But if we don't have like really good treatment or some sort of like immunity, like I think it's very unlikely that travel rebounds anywhere close to where it was for a very long time. Right. And so like that, that will, Im so there's two ways to look at that. One that could hurt attendance at large regional tournaments Two, that could actually be kind of like a boon for local tournament scenes because people are still like so much of magic is the experience of playing with people. We aren't all pats. We don't all want to play online. So much, <laughs> so much of magic is the experience of playing with people and being in front of people and interacting with them that like people will want to get that fix. Right. Like, especially us, like Jerry, do you go to tournaments like other than the pro tour? Do you go to tournaments to win the tournament or do you go to tournaments because you want I didn't to, even go to the friends. pro tour? I didn't even go to the pro tour to win the tournament. Jasper, I money drafted the draft portion of the pro tour. <laughs> that's how seriously I took it. <laughs> I went for the experience. Like, that's why I go. That's why I play magic. Like if I was playing to win, let me tell you, I would have quit magic a very long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> All those tickets. Well, I all those for, tickets. For, for the record, for the record, I like playing with people that I like. I'm saying, like <laughs> the nice thing about playing on camera is that I can be discerning in who I play against. That's oh, what sorry, I'm bad internet connection. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying like it's it's just nice. It's nice, and it, obviously, like I like playing against people that I know. You know, I playing as Ian and and uh, and Travis and stuff from the pit was really great. Um, Maybe it's also just because I don't get to play a lot of Paper Legacy, and the fact that I'm playing any of it is just really thrilling to me. So that could be part of it, too, for sure. Um, but yeah, rubbing elbows at tournaments is always a lot of fun. Like That's the reason I go to GPs, is to is to hang out with people yeah, that I like. It just really makes me wonder like when the next time we're actually going to have that experience again. So the other thing that I can think of is like it could be good for us, too, right? Like If Magic players, I mean, we're all degenerates, and we're all about value, right? So after this, like I, I expect the prices of flights and lodging and even like, uh, like tournament, like like the pe what people have to pay to rent out a, a, an arena is all going to be less expensive. And so like it might That's be true. easier for us to travel to stuff, man. Because like even a flight to fucking. Even a flight from Boston to Missouri was like five hundred dollars round trip. Like that's that's crazy. That's crazy going from Boston to Missouri. So maybe the, maybe it's going to put a lot of downward pressure on the market. It'd be good for consumers. Wait, it's crazy to you know? go from Boston to Missouri, as in like, why would you do that? Or it's crazy that the prices <laughs> were that it was five hundred dollars for a round trip. I, yeah, I will say it was almost as expensive to, to fly from Boston to Missouri as it was for me to fly from Boston to Barcelona. I think. Yeah, I, and like. It was like a hundred dollars more to go to Barcelona instead of Missouri. Yeah, and it's like Boston. It's not like it's TF Green, which is like this little rinky-dink airport in Providence. It's like a major airport, you know. So doomsday scenario, though. All right there, there's obviously a push to get more Magic online, right? And Magic Arena and, mm -hmm. and big tournaments being on Arena. I mean, like this could very easily be like, um, like cover, not like in terms of like what's the Illuminati caused all this, but like, it could be like, 
used as cover. <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> Watsy released COVID. That is uh, don't, I think that's- don't even say that. Don't even say that because because there are certain there are certain people from Watsy who are very upset that uh there was a <laughs> I don't I don't want, I'm just gonna say that there are people who are very butthurt about people calling for people's jobs at Watsy. For people like you know how people are a little bit hyperbolic on Twitter saying like oh so and so from from R and D should be fired for the fucking dumpster fire that's legacy right now. <laughs> like these sets they've been releasing, and then uh, other other Watsi. Can I can I do upset. a premature scoop and just scoop in all the employees of Watsi? Sure. Right. Like I, I think that I think yeah. Pat, I think you're raising like a really good point. Which I mean, I love the magic community. I think that online it can get a little hyperbolic and toxic. Gross. And not yeah. as much as I think some other communities. Um, Eve. But I think people Eve really forget nice. <laughs> that like. I mean, I think people really forget that, like, you know, yes, people, Watsi wants to make money into the corporation, but, like, the reason individuals work for Watsi is because they love the game of Magic, right? Like, of course, yeah. I'm sure they, like, everyone there, like, you guys have met Gavin so many times. Like, he's a super, super smart dude. Like, he, I'm sure he can make a lot more money than whatever he makes, like, working somewhere else. Like, he's working there because mm-hmm. he's passionate about it. And I'd yeah. imagine that, like, pretty much everyone there, is very passionate about what they do and want to make the game last, live as long as possible and want to make it the best experience for as many people as possible. And like, you know, sometimes that doesn't align with our personal view of what the game should be, but that doesn't mean that it's not like people trying, right? Like it's every time we've had Gavin on for an episode, I think we've had him for, Oh my gosh, maybe three or four years now for Christmas episodes. Every time we talk with him, like my, I don't know if, if if I say on the cast or even afterwards, my comment to him is always like, man, if if speaking to him makes me feel like the game is in really good hands, like he is a great steward of the game, and that I hope that all of his coworkers are like him. And my interactions with most of them have been have been in that vein. You know, other people who have worked at Watsi have been in that vein where they're all good stewards of the game. And like, of course, like we're all sitting here from with like perfect twenty twenty vision, like seeing these cards get released and. You know, we because we're passionate, because we love the game so much, we love to complaining about it is just part of the experience, right? It's like being it's like it's like being a Jets fan, right? Like, you know, (laughs) part of being a Jets fan is just knowing that every year you're getting smacked around by the other 31 teams in the NFL. And it's just part of that. Part of it is just the self-flagellation of being a fan of that horrible, horrible team. Well, people should complain. What people like people complaining about the game. Is healthy. Yeah, the difference. Totally. The difference. That's what. So that's what also annoys me is like, there's there's a medium. Like the people who complain about complainers, I feel are are even worse because it's just like now you're just riling against people who are trying to improve something that they love. Like calling for someone's job is not. Sometimes it's not about improving what they love, though. There are some people out there who are just literal, just like hate monger. Not not hate mongers, but some people out there who just like. They don't like their life. They don't like what they do. They have a shitty living situation, mm-hmm. and they lash out and and they put down people who, you know, who who, yeah. who are anonymous people on. Twitter I think to that's them. the exception, not the rule, though. Oh, I don't know about that. Uh, I I I think this. I think the squeakiest wheels are the ones who are like the dysfun- the most dysfunctional people. I, I think people who are who are pretty like pretty uh, 
functional adults don't get that riled up about a card game. I I've well it depends. I mean, like it's I it's very similar to like the Star Wars universe. Like d- get me don't get me wrong, there are definitely people who go overboard there, but like this all stems from the fact that when you love something, you feel ownership for it mm. and feeling ownership for something it, it causes entitlement. It, you know, it's not yeah. it's not a good thing, but it's not like they're coming out of a place of just pure hatred. No, 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 of course. But I'm saying like they're coming out of a place. A lot of times, I think it's a place of ignorance and and immaturity. You know yeah. I mean? So I mean, I mean like conf- like obviously calling for someone's job is like like that's uh, like beyond repentance. Like you don't know that person's situation. Like that's a huge change for someone. Like losing a job like that. And it's also like you know it's not one person who makes the call in these sets, right? Yeah. I'm, and yeah. I would not be surprised if a lot of the direction, a lot of the push from these sets is coming from people who who. It's from above their pay grade. Yeah, you know I'm saying like I've I've said that like, many times before. Like I'm ha- yeah. I half think it's like R and D saying like yeah this is broken, and then sales saying printed anyways. Well, so- I don't even think it's sales. I think the general direction of the game right now is to push push the EDH components that because we all know EDH is what sells their cards, right? Like that's the biggest yeah. segment of their business. So we're going to make all formats you know EDH friendly. But that's also Maybe. not a like if your metric of how many people are enjoying this game is how many people are buying the product. Like that's like an easy metric that, that even that management like could altruistically have for this game. Right. Mm-hmm. And so like, if that's the lens, if that's like, we want them, we like, we want the most people. And I don't know if this is the case for everyone. Right. But like, cause there's probably someone who is just looking at the bottom line, but like, if, even if that's your metric, then then pushing the game in that direction, like that's still altruistic. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Um, but also I, I agree with you guys. I think that, I think though, if, in my opinion, it, even if you aren't going as far as asking for someone's job, um, like non good natured jabs at people, like the people who work at Watsi, like most of them probably don't want to be in, don't want to be in the spotlight. They didn't like sign up to be in the spotlight. Like they aren't trying to be a public persona right. surrounding right. the game. And like, I mean, you guys probably get like a little bit of vitriol, vitriol online. Like I've listened to your podcast, like, and just that one didn't land. But, um, <laughs> but uh, I was I was gonna say we say I say things a lot. <laughs> but like I'm sure even if it's not like people calling for your job, like strangers calling you an idiot, like that probably affects people like in a very real way. Of course. Oh yeah, I, 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 I love I, I love so. uh, like waking up and seeing a notification on my phone, and it's um like this person wants to send you a Facebook message request. I'm like, okay, you're wrong for these reasons. Here's a six page paragraph, uh, <laughs> or, uh, saying like why all your, uh, all your thoughts are stupid. It's like attack, attack the cards, not the people, people. So guys, yeah. if you want to, if you want to insult Jerry, you just learned he does open his Facebook messages, even if he doesn't <laughs> respond. <laughs> oh, man. What have I opened yeah. myself up it, to? It, it'll be interesting to see what happens, like with them sunsetting the DCI numbers and stuff. And and then like arenas becoming more, impor- more important. And so after last week's episode, we were talking about that. I actually tried to open up arena and I couldn't get it to work on my computer. I just gave up. So that wasn't that wasn't a good experience, but um, yeah, I think that's going to become a bigger part of the of the game. And Jerry, um, why doesn't Jerry like the DCI numbers going away? Because you're getting rid of the history. Like it would be, I would be fine if they kept your match history and they allowed, like they allowed you to track it. Like right now, there's just nothing. It's like you just, even when you switch over, it's not like you're gaining history. There's no like 
matchup data or record of events. It's just like while the DCI wasn't perfect, it was like this time capsule where you could go in and and like think back to like, oh, yeah, I remember this tournament. Oh, yeah, this is awesome. Like the other day after we recorded that episode, we were all in a Facebook group chat with like the uh, the dead format guys and a bunch of other of our friends who all play magic. And we were looking through our DZI history and like, oh, we played each other like on this. And like me and DJ are like, oh, we're our like lifetime record is like uh, two to three. And it's like those things are the things that you don't get under the new system. And it's just mm-hmm. it's just sad. Like you, maybe we will though. We don't know what's going to yeah, happen, right? I hope. Yeah, it just, I do too. I mean, it's, but like, it's let's not, be honest. It's not like, that when it, was the last time you looked under your D? Like when was the last time you looked through your DCI history? But aside from when this announcement happened, uh, probably four or five months ago. Yeah, and before that. Yeah, it's not like something I do every day, but it's still yeah. like it's it's like having that favorite book on the shelf. You don't sure. read that book sure. every day, but just having it on the shelf is comforting. Yeah, I mean, I guess and you'd it, like just I, take it, screenshots it of it. And- yeah, and it's not like in and of itself a big thing. It's just it's just another kind of punch in the gut where it's just it's just one more thing in, uh, on top of a heap of other things that have kind of made us disappointed about the direction the game is going in. Yeah. It, it's just like the thought behind it rather than the action mm-hmm. itself. The lack of thought behind it. This yeah. Is, it feels like sometimes, right? Like, yeah. Right. I, I get that that is important information for some people. I'm like, I, I've I've looked at my stuff probably two years ago was the last time I was actually on the Planeswalker Point site. Um, but yeah, I get that. I mean, if you're, if you're, I think if people are, I think they said they're going to keep the information up for people, which is cool. And you can just screenshot it and then well, save it somewhere and have that information forever. They're, they're keeping it until the end of May. And then yeah. there, people have come out with like scraping. It's just the FAQ on that was hilarious. It's like, how long is this going to be available till like until the end of May? Uh, it, can I download it? No. Can I save it? No. Yeah. <laughs> just like, oh, okay, just get bent. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, it's just, you can be upset about the direction that things are going in, but it's not okay to be attacking individual people about it. Yeah, I mean, that's never okay, right? Especially with something as, as inconsequential as this, as a card game. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, in the end, it's it really is just a game. Exactly. We we obviously take it very seriously because we're big fans of it. And it's a big part of what we of our lives and probably our probably a bigger part of of our identity than it should be. But um, it's still a game, you know. So yeah, it's not a it's not that serious. But let's turn to lighter matters. The real reason why we had Jasper on the cast today, not just because he's a he's a fascinating individual, uh, but Jasper likes to make people laugh. <laughs> I mean, I I try to be very serious with everything that I do. (laughs) All those memes are made in complete seriousness. (laughs) So I have this, um, this sort of like mental image of Jerry that like is, is very loose, disconnected from reality, right? Like I have this like alternative (laughs) universe view of Jerry that he's like a, a basement dwelling troglodyte <laughs> that is like just eating Cheetos constantly. I don't even like Cheetos. Uh, I would like you to know that he is a first floor dwelling troglodyte. Who eats Cheetos, okay. He is on the first floor of his apartment. Complex. And I just love the idea of like, cause I mean, Jerry, you're a very personable, funny, like outgoing guy. And I just love the idea of like that, like outgoing, you know, personable like can connect with people personality like folded in to this like cynical 
twat, I guess. Just like it's the, abs- it's the absurdity of it, right? It's the juxtaposition of someone who's like bright and outgoing and funny, and then like the like the. You guys remember like the World of Warcraft episode from South Park where the guy's just like in his face <laughs> with, his, with the like, with the wrist that's, with the wrist brace. <laughs> yes, yes, that is the few. When I see those memes, that's the fusion I see. That's that's what it reminds me of. Good. <laughs> <laughs> and like so. my my secret hope is that like the memes will get popular enough that this will become like the public image of Gerald May. <laughs> <laughs> just trying it's to rewrite history. Card. Just trying to rewrite history. <laughs> Actually, I would love. You know how like some people have headshots on their business cards. If you took that GP Bologna headshot or or that Pro Tour, I don't know where it was. Pro Tour, Pro Tour Barcelona. Uh, Barcelona. Where was it? Barcelona. Bar- Barcelona, and it had that as your as your photo on your business card. <laughs> and people will see that in the future, be like, I know this picture from somewhere. Where do I know that? Well, from? Jasper was so excited. Uh, I was at a tournament, and someone recognized me, not from the podcast, not from the Facebook group, <laughs> but oh, you're the guy from the memes. Shut up! <laughs> no way. And Jasper was so excited when I told him that. <laughs> oh man, that's hilarious. Yeah, That's it made it like made my year. Like 2019, <laughs> like that moment. <laughs> That's um, awesome. So, where do you come up with the ideas for them? Like, is it just current events? So it, it's it tends to be current events. I I think that the that the key that the only real sort of like guiding factor is is I take something that's like a reasonable view and then push it to its extremities. <laughs> Right. What I yep. love though is when you end up becoming like this Nostradamus in your memes, which were supposed to be like parodies of the real world, end up predicting the future. Like you, <laughs> you, you predicted the breach ban when it was first printed, and everyone thought the card was bad, <laughs> and then it ended up getting banned. <laughs> I mean, the card's busted, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, but when it was spoiled, like everyone's like, "Oh, this isn't that good." It's not. Uh, I said it'll probably find a place in the storm deck. I well, had yeah. no idea what. It yeah, you like you said, oh, maybe it'll be like find a play. Maybe it'll be a one of in the storm deck. But then it yeah. ended up being like this busted card that ended up having to get banned because it spawned its own decks. <laughs> well, and what that I liked was the meme you made, and it came true. <laughs> well, what I liked about that one is like I didn't even like that one didn't even rely on your opinion of it because so it, essentially it was like I think the meme was like you know two weeks until I'm proved wrong about this card or something. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. but the whole idea is like every, every single set release, you have some like very opinionated opinions about cards mm-hmm. and then like extremes. No ex- in between ex- when it comes to spoiler yeah. season. And then they like go, you know, without a doubt, something doesn't hit, right? Like it always doesn't hit and you must catch like so much grief for it. Right. Just like, Oh yeah, no, were- of course. No, I make these wild predictions about all these cards and maybe like, 10% of them come true, but because they're such wild out of left field predictions, when that 10% comes true, I get to say, I told you so. Jerry, you were trying for like, you were trying for like six months to make that blue show and tell creature that lets you like put things in like work. Arcane Artisan <laughs> works. It's a staple <laughs> of the deck. When was the last time you saw Arcane Artisan even in a sideboard? It's like forever. In my sideboard. <laughs> yeah, in yours. That doesn't count. <laughs> Bob Wong top eight an SCG with it. The like the uh, first week it came out. Don't even start. Don't even yeah. start. I love at the, least if you're gonna come up with my like bad calls, at least get an actual I bad love call. the idea that you're like speculating on Artine Artisan and you're like trying to convince Bob to play it and you're like taking him out for drinks. <laughs> and you're, like, I, didn't, I didn't need to. That card like quadrupled in price overnight. <laughs> it's 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 the Nahiri the Harbinger all over again. 
Yeah. Like, yeah. If you're going to, if you're going to call out like some of my bad ideas, I actually call out some of the actual bad ideas. Nahiri was pretty bad. That was pretty bad. We're going to add a white to show and tell and play Nahiri. Uh, worth it. <laughs> well, actually this is interesting. So you know how everyone's like down on, I, I know that we don't want to spend like the episode talking about companions, but like the whole idea is that like decks without companion are like automatically like somewhat disadvantaged. Right. And like, there are definitely mm-hmm. some decks that don't really fit companions. Right, so like yep. elves comes to mind. Right, like I'm assuming show and tell can't really have yeah, one. Show and tell can't really use any of the companions. Either. Right, so so do you think that like do you think that like when you're playing against decks with companions, do you think that it's like actually these decks or show and tell specifically because show and tell has a lot of counter magic. It has both a fast game and like control element. Do you think that like it's still well positioned in a meta with eight card hands or do you think that it's you know that that the advantage from from companions is so great that that it really does push these other decks out of the format uh i think it does and it like it's why it what's so insidious about it is it's such like a small edge that it's really hard to notice it's it it kind of goes back to my same thoughts with the london mulligan and why i didn't like the london mulligan is London Mulligan reduces variance ever so slightly in a way that's not immediately noticeable, but over time really affects the format as a whole. And I feel that's the same way that companions do where this advantage of having the eighth card is not a super obvious advantage. But if you were to play a thousand matchups, you would notice like the Delver deck with Luris gets that extra 5% advantage than the, than the Delver deck without Luris. And over those thousand matchups, it adds up to you just not winning, and it makes your deck that much worse for it. So, so what you're saying is, from personal experience, no one notices when you have an eight card hand. It's not and that Grizzle not... Brand's in your lap. <laughs> 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 yeah, from personal experience, that's hard for that to get caught. But no, <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's, it's just this thing that it's like. It's more something than you can feel than you can describe. And that's what I was trying to say with uh, with Zach on the last episode. And he's like, oh, if you can't describe it, then it's not real. But it's just like it's this advantage that's that's really hard to quantify, um, but is nevertheless there. And it just gets more and more apparent over time. That's crazy. I feel like I feel like I just talked to you earlier today, Jerry, on Facebook chat where you said my feelings don't matter. I need to bring facts to the conversation. (laughs) That's so weird. Well, yeah, because I was trying to win a debate, Pat. Like, it's totally different. (laughs) (laughs) I think I think that the the, the London Mulligan, I think you're right. They need a huge sample size to really sort of like get it. I think with Companion, like a extraordinarily small sample size, like play, play two Ikura drafts and like you'll get it, you know, like. Yeah, don't don't get me wrong with Luris. It's also obvious because it's compounded by the fact it's just even more card advantage when it resolves because you get to play something from your graveyard every turn. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's essentially an extra card every turn. Like it's like <laughs> it's like the do you notice the advantage of Library of Alexandria? It's like yeah, I do notice the advantage of Library of Alexandria. <laughs> well, or you have like the is it Kadra the the white red one, the uh, that's like in Bomberman and it's like you have. One piece of your two piece combo to go Isn't infinite mana. Zydra. Zydra. Yeah, yeah. Zydra. Right. Yeah. Like, oh, so, yeah. I, so I mean, don't get me wrong. It's like these cards in themselves are busted. But like I was just talking about like fr- the effect in itself. Like even if you just had a companion that was just like it, it is a gray ogre. It is a two two for three with no other abilities, and its companion con- uh, restriction is you have to have a legacy legal deck. Like even that, you would still play. That's no, worth a sideboard slot. Yes, no, you, you would. would. 
No, you wouldn't. You're telling me just heavy because there's there are companions right now that people can play that aren't being played. Not not without drastically affecting your deck. Like I'm just saying, like for the for the very low payoff of of just having a gray ogre, just having that extra card is worthwhile. I mean, it would make him to Torok terrible. Not him to Torok. The um, Diabolic Edict terrible. Right. Yeah. When when you're in when you're just in a situation when you and your opponent are both in top deck mode, just always being able to play that extra card. Like, yes, it's a tiny advantage, but it's an advantage nonetheless. I I, I think, but I think saying that that would be an everyone like that everyone would play that in their sideboard. I think that's just wrong. I think I think I think, I think that like your your disc. I think people are people. I think a lot of people are playing Luris right now because it's very good uh, with like things like Mishra's Bobble. Um, I don't think that it's, I don't think that it's as bust. And again, this is, I played zero games against it. So take this with a grain of salt. I don't think it's so busted that I don't think it's as busted as people think it is. Um, I think, but I think that to, I think you need to play are, against people, listen <laughs> for, for a format where people are like, people make sideboard changes at the last minute before entering a tournament. Now you're going to say that I'm just going to take one of my sideboard cards. that's meant to make a bad matchup better or a good matchup, you know, a, a fine matchup better. Um, I'm gonna take that and just put a a, a three two gray ogre in there or two two gray ogre in there is just crazy. People agonize over their sideboard slots. They're not just gonna put a card in there that's not gonna be that effective. I just don't believe it. I think I think you're I think you're losing the sight in the fact that people are just playing with new toys right now. I I really think you're not appreciate well the fact that you also just haven't played against a pat like you I don't think you're appreciating just how much of an advantage it is. It's a it's a three two lifelink dude that costs three mana. It, Jasper, this is proving my point. What I was saying earlier, how it's hard to, to quantify, like because I still can't even quantify it for Pat to, to so, show like why Loris is so busted. I, I, so Sam Black had a really good article at the like beginning of them being released, um, like beginning of April. Um, that anyone like, I think it, it was like really, really well done and thoughtful on it. That um, I think like he hit on a lot of the points of like you know it's the consistency of it is is really the strength of it. And what he, he came down to, which I think is really interesting, is sort of like the two ways. And this is before I think they even got released, right? Or like maybe they had just gotten released. So it wasn't even like well known, but this is Sam Black. Um, and he what he came down to is like the two ways that it can be fixed is that the two outcomes is either one, they're really bad and no one plays them and everything goes on like normal. But looking at the cards, that's obviously not the case. Or two, what's going to happen is you're going to evolve into a world where everyone is warping their deck to have a companion, right? And, like, I think normally when we're brewing, I, like, I love, I really enjoy brewing, and I really like love, like, looking at one of these cards and, like, f- figuring out, like, oh, like, what can I do with it? But, like, if I'm going to a tournament, I'm playing, like, one, like, a good deck, right? Like, I'm playing, like, a deck that's proven and is good. And so in order to not lose metagame diversity, that you're going to have to have a lot of good companions that can support a lot of different types of decks. So the only way out of this sort of, like, place that we've gotten in is that either we're going to like you know move to an equilibrium where there's like a handful of companion decks and maybe like one or two decks that don't need companions because they're good against the field or they're going to print more companions that are also good and then you're just going to be playing everyone's going to have companion decks but at least there'll be like diversity of a lot of different companions Mm -hmm. and it's just like a little bit of it's a different game a little bit right but like it's still possible um so like i don't I, I, that, that's so, a good point because that's something that i've heard brought up too is that like the the big issue right now isn't that there's companions is that there's actually just not enough of them there's not enough diversity in companions and and you know not all the companion like color pairs work in you know in this existing strategies of legacy right now so some yeah. of them have been a nice easy fit like zerd is or zerdra was a nice easy fit 
some of them have defined new decks like the Gyruda one. Um, and then others like, like Luris have just kind of found their way to sneak into Delver decks because it's an easy, it's an easy to fit it in there into Grixis decks and I guess blue white decks with most Dude, Storm. Decks. Storm, yep, yep. Yeah, so this is actually so one of our listeners, uh, Cody, actually sent this in to me where he said, uh, Hey, Jerry, listener of the show, thanks uh, for the content. Had a question. Has anyone discussed the possibility that the companion mechanic should have been made into a card type instead of a mechanic in much the same way planeswalkers were? Was there this much pushback when planeswalkers were introduced? And I guess, I guess I feel that's a compromise. Like, I would rather companion as a mechanic just got banned entirely and we forgot all about this fever dream uh but if that's not the case and the compromise is just printing it so that companion is just a staple of magic from here on out like that's a that's a better compromise but i'm still not i don't happy with, the difference what's the difference there well either banning them outright or then printing a bunch of them so that pretty much every deck oh so you're saying oh, so you're saying you're falling on the on the side of like just make more of them is what you're saying i mean that's the compromise it's either right. ban 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 them out of existence or a lesser solution but it was probably more real, realistic to happen with watsi is print a ton of them so that it doesn't destroy the deck diversity I, I just think we're three weeks into a format and i think people are calling for it to be burned to the ground as i just and, think it's very premature and i i hate this argument because it's like you don't you don't need a month to realize like how stupid something is like, as it is now it's broken like we're we're beyond flash hulk numbers like is anyone was anyone debating the efficacy of flash hulk when it first came out no <laughs> Like it's, it's, you can recognize broken when you, when it happens, like it, it, you don't need weeks and weeks of data when it's this blatant and in your face. I think they should mm. print a, a companion, like a Thalia companion that like prevents other companions from being cast and just like a big F from all that, the D&T players. Yeah, that's, that's, just, that's just meddling, that's just meddling mage, right? Mage. There's, it's still just not. <laughs> oh, that's actually true. Yeah. Meddling mage does that. Like you just don't. But you have to draw meddling mage. Meddling mage is in your sideboard. True. Yeah. True. I don't know. I just, in like part of me, like w the other reason why that's like the less ideal situation is because that almost feels like we're conceding to the idea that like commander is the ideal way to play magic like i just wish watsi would would stop dipping their fingers where it doesn't belong yeah I, I think it's i think it's a fair criticism that right like i think maro talks about it a lot that like everyone loves a different aspect of the game right and like everyone yeah. comes to the game for different reasons and you know i think it's a fair criticism to be like look at like there are people who come to the game because like this type of thing is enjoyable. Right. And like, I'm sure if I was like opening up companion and like brewing with the cards that I have to like, now granted I have storm, so it would have been easy, but you know, Johnson is like brewing with the cards that they have to like, try and like make this cool card work. Like that's really, really fun. But yeah. if you lose sight of all the other players that it negatively impacts, then like, yeah, like you, it's it. it I, in my opinion, as an eternal format player, like I, I think that they did hurt the game. Now, mm. I don't know what the right solution is for that, right? Like, I think it would also it would be like such a huge departure for a format like vintage to like ban a entire mechanic, right? Um, so I, I don't know what the solution is, but I, I do think that like it's it's fair and very valid feedback to be like, look, like by pushing the game too far in this direction, like a lot of players are having a worse play experience. Mm. Yeah. I, th I think that's a great way to sum it up Jasper. Cause that, that is really the perfect way to how to 
kind of explain how I feel is like people like playing the game for different reasons. And it feels like Watsy is forcing this gameplay that I don't want to play in on the format that I do want to play. Hmm. So, you know, like keep commander and commander, let legacy players play legacy. Like we don't, not everyone wants to play commander. Understandable. Uh, do we want to get on before we get out of here? I want to talk about the book that you're writing. Yeah. Uh, yeah so it would have been a better segue from the Gerald memes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I had been sort of searching for a number of years for for a creative outlet um, that I really enjoyed because I think a lot of sort of the the endeavors I do in life, right? Like even playing magic cards, I don't necessarily feel that I'm creating something, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I you know, I'll, I'll tweak decks and, and I'll play and like I get a sense of satisfaction from winning and from, from hanging out with people. But I didn't, I didn't have a leaving, leaving a legacy podcast, right? Like, and I didn't feel like I had a creative endeavor. So I, I've always enjoyed writing and I've always sort of like dipped my toe into it from time to time. And um, a few years ago, I decided that I wanted to sort of like approach it a little bit more seriously. And I had a bunch of stops and starts, um, sort of like trying to write a book. Um, and then last summer um i i I stumbled on this on 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 a i'm sure there's actually there might be some overlap but i I stumbled on this podcast um called story grid um the Mm -hmm. story grid podcast and what i realized is that i was coming up with all of these like interesting characters or interesting scenarios um but i didn't have a good feel for plot or how plot should be structured and can be structured and so i was sort of like writing myself into corners um and not having like a good way of figuring out what the missing pieces were to actually tell a story that works. And so, you know, after, you know, studying up a a good amount, um, sort of last spring, um, I started into a book last summer. Um, and you know, my inspiration from it was sort of a lot of the things that I love and the people that I know. Um, and so, the book's uh, like around 80,000 words right now, which is not a super long novel. Anything over 60K is is, is a novel. Um, but 80,000 words, it's like the first Harry Potter, um, about mm-hmm. that length. Um, and it's about this kid who's finding his way in the world of competitive gaming. Um, and it's a game you know that takes a lot of inspiration from magic. Um, and he, he gets caught up in in a uh, an international criminal conspiracy where his life's on the line. Um, so that's sort of like the 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 bubblegum wrapper pitch. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, in it, sort of like in writing it, I I drew a lot from the real world. So so the character that J- the Gerald me in the memes. <laughs> <laughs> that's like the that's like the villain in the book. It's that <laughs> I, was gonna, I was hoping for that. <laughs> and and he's like the, Jasper's meme campaign has actually just been an underground <laughs> advertisement campaign, the, uh, guerrilla, marketing. Guerrilla, yeah, guerrilla marketing for his uh, book launch. <laughs> um, no, but it, it's it's been it, it's it's been very fun and very um very challenging. It, it's actually I would say it's been more rewarding than fun um mm. because the the type of endeavor um, oh, it's like hanging out with pat <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it's the type of endeavor where like 
it's it's very hard work, right? Like to to create something that you're proud of and to to put the time in and right like since July I've been getting up every weekday at like 5:30 so like I'd have time to write in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um it, but it's it's really like it's a really amazing feeling to to like piece by piece build this puzzle, right? And like build this building and have it like start to work and then like re-engineer it and tweak it to like, you know, make it a little bit more beautiful and and a little more structurally solid and just like create this thing in front of you. Um, So I finished the first draft of the book um, at the end of November. Um, I like July to November. It took me about six months to, to, to write the, the bare first draft. Um, I did a round of edits on my own. Um, I've had a couple rounds of other people um, edit it or like reading it and giving me feedback. And now um, it's at the stage where it needs like one more sort of rewrite. And then mm-hmm. I think it'll be ready to to send off to editors and see what I can actually do with it. Um, cool. So my hope is that, you know, like these processes, they take a while, right? Sort of like, you know, like assuming everything goes perfectly smoothly, it would be like, a 2021 event and more likely like a 2022 event. Um, but my hope is, is that like I have this book that, you know, I can get published and there's various mediums to publish it. And that'll like, you know, one first and foremost, be like a fun, enjoyable read for people and, and all that. And then second, um, I think it gives like a lot of insight to a non gamer and a non magic player and people who aren't into in our world into our world mm-hmm. and really like opens it up and, and can put people in the shoes of sort of like why we do what we do, why we love the games that we do, what the relationships are. Um, now, obviously with it though, like there's a lot of comedy, there's a lot of, you know, high farce. There's a lot of, you know, Gerald me being ridiculous and, and all that. <laughs> <laughs> so it's actually funny cause cause I, you know, I've been talking to Brian cook who you guys know quite well about it. Um, so the two main characters are actually named Anthony Lavarde um, and Gerald me, Gerald me. Um, and, uh, and, and so Gerald, uh, so, so Brian always makes fun of me that it's just like Tony Laverde like fanfic. Um, <laughs> 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 uh, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited about it. Um, so, so hopefully um, it's called card guardian. Um, it's sort of the working title of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and hopefully I'll be able to to really start sharing it with people um, you know, at some point in the in the not too distant future. That's awesome. That's really Sweet. cool. Sick man. Yeah. Hell yeah. Looking forward to it. Yeah, I've sent Jerry uh, well, Gerald might be looking forward to it. I've sent him uh a rough draft and he hasn't quite got around to it. So I don't no, know. No, no, no. <laughs> Jasper, I, I look at it, you just you know I can't read. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say like these are really pretty it, shapes. <laughs> you need to send him it in like um, send it to him as a document, like someone sending to him an Eve, and then actually, he'll then he'll pour over it. Well, I um, think that the solution is actually I need to send it to his Facebook book DMs in like piecemeal, <laughs> one, one page at a time. Yeah. Uh, I'm a, I'm an audiobook man. I just I just don't have time to read anymore. But I go on walks a lot, and I listen to a bunch of stuff while like audiobooks while I'm walking. So like when the audiobook comes out i'll gobble it up <laughs> but i do keep meaning to crack it. i did re- i read i read the first couple chapters of your of your first draft but you have since yeah. oh it's, it's re- i think it's evolved a lot um since then um i think it's a lot tighter um 
there's sort of like one character that I need to rewrite through the book. Um, but yeah, I think the story structure, like, so the first draft, the first chapter or the first scene, um, I cut out like half of it, right. Just as an example, like to, to how much editing has actually done even since I just sort of got the bare bones down, um, to a point where I was initially, you know, ready to have people take a look at it. Um, so, so I think it's a lot tighter. I think you'll like it more. I think it reads a lot better. Um, I mean, I think it reads well. Um, I think it's pretty solid. Um, I think I've read stuff that's that I would enjoy less than it. Um, you know, it's I'm not Stephen King, but I think uh, I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna end up once I f- sort of finish putting in the elbow grease, end up something that I can be proud of. Have you read any of those, like you know, on writing or like yeah. the Hero's Journey or the Hero of a Thousand Faces? What you know, what have you? Yeah, so um, I skimmed part of the, the uh, Thousand Heroes of Thousand Faces. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I've I've listened to a lot about um, the Hero's Journey and plot structure. Um, I read on writing, um, very good book. Mm. Um, Orson Scott Card has a good book um, on writing sci-fi and fantasy. There's a lot of good resources um, sort of out there um, mm-hmm. for people who who are interested in the craft. Um, there's also a lot of um, trial and error. Um, and a lot of, you know, and all writers write very differently. So, so an example, Stephen King versus Brandon Sanderson, um, right? Both very famous authors. Um, Stephen King sits down and just writes, right? And he has enough of a feel for sort of his story structure um, that he can do that and produce something that's workable and then go back and edit it to a point that it's publishable, right? And that, that it's good. Um, Brandon Sanderson, on the other hand, he, you know, he might take, you know, four or five months to to write a novel, but the first two or three months of that will be outlining. Mm-hmm. And so he actually like creates the the story structure all up front, all ahead of time, yeah. knows what's going to happen, where it's going to happen, when it's going to happen, and then sits down and banks it out. And I'm sure that when he's writing, he has sort of a lot of discovery and learns more about his characters and can sort of like go in different directions and changes things. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's two very different ways to approach it. And so, you know, and you can, you can break that down to sort of any microcosm of what you're doing within a story, right. In terms of like the scene structure or in terms of like how you think about the characters and have them grow and sort of what your initial view on them and backstory versus how much it's just like, you know this character that's just sort of like in interactions you like figure out who they are um and so there's a lot of there's a lot of that um that i think everyone you know needs to figure out by actually you know putting the pen to paper um Mm -hmm. but i think you know where i initially found myself is that i was trying to put pen to paper and i was getting stuck um and so you know as i mentioned i found this resource where where i i sort of like i think so far, I'm sort of I'm working on um, I'm 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 like twenty thousand words into another book right now that I sort of set aside, and then then uh, the current one that I'm also working on while I edit, I'm about like twelve thousand words into mm-hmm. um, that I'm very excited about. But what I've sort of realized about my style is um, it's much closer to King, but where it deviates is as I'm writing, I'm making sort of like you know, saving spaces down the line for things that I know I want to have happen and know I need to develop. So mm-hmm. I'm sort of like filling it in as I go. I'm not, you know, just just writing straight, but I'm like structuring it as I go, but being very thoughtful and conscientious about like what these plot points need to be, right? Like if you have a love story, you need a first kiss. Mm-hmm. You need 
um, something that the two do together regularly, right? You need a meet cute first, then you need a first kiss. You need like some sort of thing that they do regularly and you need a breakup, right? Like every love story is in the last thousand years has had those, those components. So knowing that those are ingredients that you need to fit in has really helped me if I realized that like, Oh, I'm starting to write a love story or like a subplot of a love story. I know I'm going to need those, these elements. So I need to think about and save a place down the road to have these events occur because otherwise that element of the story won't work at all. Um, and that's, what's really helped me sort of like go from writing 5,000 words to go to being able to like actually write something that is novel length. Um, that is a cohesive story. Cool. Yeah. Very nice. Cool. Interesting. So it's a lot it, like magic in that, you know, you keep on banging your head against the wall and then things start to click. <laughs> and and the working title is Card Guardian, right? The working title is Card Guardian. Um, no idea if, uh, if it'll get picked up by an editor. Um, no matter what, I'm going to get it out there somehow. Um, mm-hmm. It's just a sort of matter of time and sort of when and where and how. Um, but yeah, the working title is Card Guardian. Um, it, I think that people who like magic cards will, will really like it. And I'm hopeful that they'll be able to show it to their friends and families and say, Hey, look, this is something that I love and this will help you understand me better. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, it's a pretty fun read. So nice. that, that's sort of, it. that's, that's my hope for it. Um, I love it. that's, that's my hope for it. That's great. Nice. Also, if you if you read it, you're guaranteed to top eight your uh, next tournament. Yeah. Uh, well, so speaking of which, like Tony Tony Laverde has read parts has, has read part of it, and and he is the reigning, or I don't know if he's the reigning, but I think he's won the most LA, LAL opens, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. Right. So so if it's if it's not happening this year, does that mean that he is the de facto 2020 LAL <laughs> Open champion? <laughs> I think so. I think so. And I think we have your book to thank for that. The fact that he <laughs> is what set him above. Okay. Awesome. All right. Well, Jerry, uh, we're getting a little long here, so let's get into scoops and poops. Scoops. Who are you scooping in top eight this week, Jerry? I'm scooping in mudslides. Okay. They're delicious. They are very good. What about poops? <laughs> the mudslide that comes after you drink a mudslide. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Had to bring it around, Pat. <laughs> Got to bring it around. <laughs> How about you, Jasper? What do you think about uh, what? Are you, what are you scooping in the top eight this week? Uh, so, so I actually I, I was thinking about this all day, um, and I actually have it's a it's a story that didn't happen to me, but it, it's my scoop, and I think uh, that it's a pretty pretty epic. So, my sister in law, my sister in law, and my brother, um, they live in Brookline, Mass, and uh, yesterday they were going for a walk, and they saw this like creature sort of like peeking out from like a drainage ditch like it was like stuck behind these like boards it's one of those ones where like the water spills over the boards when it gets too high mm-hmm. but then the water's lower on the other side when the water drops mm-hmm. so it's this like creature that was stuck and they go and they, they start, sort of investigate and it's this big huge snapping turtle and like it can't get out and they like send a picture to the family and i'm like guys it's stuck like it can't get out and they're like no maybe there's no way and it's like no no it's stuck and so they think about it and they're like yeah it's stuck so my sister-in-law, she finds a number to this place called Turtle Rescue League, and she calls it, and this guy Greg answers, and she tells the story, and Greg goes, it's a turtle emergency, <laughs> and, <laughs> and they dispatch this van, and she sent me a picture of the van, because the van shows up, and it's like an 80s van, like kind of beat up, all blue, flashing lights on top. Oh my god, I found my future job. 
big dent in the side where it got like side swiped, blaring rock music, <laughs> and this like girl hops out. Puff of and weed is smoke like, as they open the door. <laughs> right? And he's like, where's the turtle? And he like shows where's them the where the turtle is. And like the turtle gets spooked, so it like hides. So the girl's like, oh no. So she like busts open the grate. And goes in and like collects sticks and like builds a ramp for it. And is like, my job's here is done. Peace is out. <laughs> the turtle doesn't actually leave yet. The turtle's not ready to go. The, he, was, he was just kind of chilling. She like gave it away out. And like, I just think it's so awesome <laughs> that like there's these people called the Turtle Rescue League that like you can call them if there's a turtle in distress and they'll drop everything. And send out a rescue van That's to save the turtle. Hilarious. It's a turtle and emergency. So- <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. So the Turtle Rescue League, I'm gonna scoop into topic. I love it. Oh, any yeah. any uh any poops? Um you know, uh yeah, too. I guess COVID, obviously. Um and then um, you know, maybe not a poop, but I, I hope that the, the people who who sort of um perpetuate personal attacks on you know people in the community and people who are trying to like you know have good intentions and do their jobs well um i I hope they can be a little bit uh self-reflective and and a little more bit more thoughtful about how they they interact with people yeah i love it i love it those are all all great uh i'm gonna scoop in uh ian and dj for the games this past week was very enjoyable um i have i have no poops this week it's been it's been a good week um yeah, I got nothing. I got nothing bad to say. Not your sister-in-law. What? Not. Yeah, nothing. <laughs> nothing bad to say. <laughs> nothing bad to say. Um, awesome. Well, right, well, Jasper, if someone wants to get a hold of you, uh, where can they find you? Yeah. So, um, I mean, you can hit me up on Facebook. I'm not super, super responsive there. Um, you can email me, Jasper Birch at Gmail. Um, I'm pretty responsive there. Um, most places online, I'm Mango Punch. Um, so Reddit, Mango underscore Punch. You can read all my hateful vitriol um, that I spew there and nonsense. And um, yeah, you can you can also text Jerry and he'll give you my number. <laughs> and yeah. and you know if you're an editor and you want to if they want to get a first look at a a first look at a card guardian, you know where to go. Oh yeah, that that'd be excellent. If anyone you know is is in the publishing world um and and want you know thinks that thinks that the idea might have legs and and wants to talk about it i am very much on board to have those conversations awesome all right well you can follow the podcast at lalmtg you can follow jerry at jme3rd you can follow me at pat uglo the stream is twitch.tv slash leaving legacy uh you can find us on patreon if you want to support the show directly uh you can find the show every week on hipsters of the coast you can join the facebook group which is a great place to catch up on these memes that our meme king is uh, is pumping out, and you can email us uh, complaints about the memes, leaving a legacy at hipstersofthecoast.com. And as always, I want to shout out Justin Lutz. He's our audio tech, our sound engineer. Uh, he makes sure that we sound great every week, and we really love him. He does a fantastic job, and uh, and yeah, he, I think he's actually like uh, if you've ever seen the movie Homeward Bound, he was the voice of the white pit bull in that movie, which is pretty cool. Wow, I love that movie. It's a great movie. I love it so much. I cry at the end every time. Come home, Chance. Come home. Is that a true fact, or is that like? <laughs> according to your book, fact. it's according to your book. It's going to be a true fact now. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for so. Thanks again for coming on, man. We had a great time with you, and we hope to talk to you again soon.
<laughs> yeah. Thank you guys. All right, everyone. Have a great week. We'll catch you all next time. Bye. Hey, everyone. This is your favorite Leaving a Legacy host and Storm player, Brian Cook. And I'm here to set the fucking record straight. Jasper Gardner Birch is a clown and had incorrect stats in this episode of Leaving a Legacy. Anthony Laverde does not actually have the most Leaving a Legacy top eights. They would be myself. And uh, Freya Stanford has the same number of top eights as Anthony Laverde with three. I was lucky enough to top eight four. I'm only here for that correction and to give Justin Lutz more editing work. Pat, you're beautiful. Jerry, your takes are awful. Uh, Everyone, have a great day, and thank you for listening to this episode of Leaving Legacy.